Welcome to She Is Your Neighbor, a show where we discuss the realities and complexities of domestic violence. This podcast is brought to you by Women's Crisis Services of Waterloo Region, a charitable organization in Ontario, Canada. I'm your host, Jenna Main. Join me as we talk to different people each week to learn how domestic violence impacts people from all walks of life. She is your neighbor, and we all have a role to play in ending domestic violence. This episode is called Using Theatre to Break the Stigma with Kimberly Walker. Kimberly is an actor and a founding member of Theatre of the Beat, a theatre company that's focused on starting conversations around social issues. In this episode, Kim tells us about her experience creating a play and a podcast called Unmute, which is all about domestic violence. The play was really cool because since it was formed theatre style, audience members had the opportunity to watch a situation of domestic violence unfold and then they were able to intervene and offer suggestions on how to help someone in this situation. It was really great to speak with Kim about this and Women's Crisis Services actually had quite a big role in helping create the play. So Kim and I have met before and it was really awesome to get connected again for this. I really enjoyed learning from Kim and learning a bit more about Forum Theatre specifically, how it works, and how it can be used to raise awareness about domestic violence and other social issues. Now, before we get started, I'd like to note the following episode includes a discussion of domestic violence and abuse, which may be distressing or traumatic for some listeners. Please take care of yourself and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. I'd also like to thank our episode sponsor, RBC a longtime supporter of Women's Crisis Services of Waterloo Region. RBC is guided by their purpose to help clients thrive and communities prosper. It mobilizes them to create meaningful value in everything they do as a bank, but also in ways that extend beyond their walls. RBC is part of something larger than itself, bringing the company and its networks together to tackle the big issues of today and tomorrow. Hi, Kim. Thanks again for being here today. Of course. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, We've talked before for Unmute, so it's really good to see you. So I'm very happy to see you again. Thanks. Yeah, I've I've been looking forward to this conversation. It's good to see you too. So today, before we kind of dive into the topic, could you just start by sharing a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm in my mid-30s. I live in Kitchener. I am a social worker and a therapist, but I also really love theater and have been working in theater for the past 10 years as well, kind of have those two twin passions. So um, I work for a company called Theater of the Beat, and we do a lot of plays around social justice topics. And so that's kind of the middle of the Venn diagram where my passions come together. So I get really excited about using the performing arts to talk about important social issues. So that's kind of my me on the career side and I don't know personally I I like um I'm just so glad that it's the summertime and I love being outside and gardening and don't know otherwise just a pretty average girl I suppose that's great thank you for sharing that's awesome so today we're going to talk about a few things um we're going to talk about using theater to break the stigma 
And I'm really looking forward to getting into talking about Unmute, which is a play and now a podcast that Theatre The Beat has been working on with Women's Crisis Services and also through DART, who provided funding, the Domestic Assault Review Team. Um, We're going to get into that a lot today, but I kind of thought we'd rewind a little bit before we get into that and start at the beginning uh, and start talking about Theatre The Beat in general and before Unmute came along, talk about Theatre of the Beat and what you've done. So I know that you're a founding member of Theatre of the Beat, which is so cool. Uh, And I know that you also developed Theatre of the Beat's restorative justice program. And over the years, Theatre of the Beat has done tons of shows uh, on a variety of social issues. I'm because of this, I, I think it's so fascinating. And I'm just really curious to know how you think we can use theatre uh, to start these conversations that may not be conversations we would have otherwise. Like, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on how this kind of works. Yeah, I find it really exciting and inspiring because it it does work. Like, I think humans, we learn through stories a lot of the time. Like, that's one of the most effective ways to, to grow or to change our minds. And so theater is storytelling and um, sometimes we can do it in a way that's almost like the spoonful of sugar in terms of you get someone laughing or engaged in a really interesting plot and then we're, we're learning and thinking and challenging ourselves without even realizing it at first I guess um, yeah and, and I think also that storytelling you can really empathize with the characters when you see a story portrayed and and sometimes it's like fantastic to, to hear people's real stories about a social justice topic, whether it was domestic violence or anything else. But sometimes it can be helpful to have like a universal story or a composite of stories so that we can like show a lot of an issue and then also do it in a way that if there doesn't happen to be a survivor who wants to talk right at that moment, that's okay. It doesn't need to be all the pressure on that survivor that we can have actors kind of show the audience what it's like and... Um, yeah, build audience empathy and understanding that way. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And that's a good point about, you know, if there isn't a survivor who's there or willing or able to speak at the moment, this still provides a way to get into that storytelling, which I think is so cool. I just think it's really unique. I haven't seen it uh, before this. This is the first I've, I've heard of it. And I thought that was cool when I heard about the restorative justice theater program you have too. Uh, I didn't know if before we get into Unmute, if you wanted to share a little bit about that, because I'm, I'm really curious to hear a bit more about that. Sure. Yeah. So I'm trained as a social worker. And my first job after graduating um, from the MSW was at Grand Valley Institution for Women, where I was a behavioral counselor. And I learned a ton there. And while I was there, I was thinking a lot about, yeah, just the theater side of me and how maybe some of those skills that I have could be beneficial to a lot of the women who are incarcerated and kind of schemed up this idea that theater could be used as a way to build teamwork and interpersonal skills and to process um the stories of our lives and so I just kept writing proposals to the prison until eventually they let me try it and so then um, we've been there pre-COVID we were there for about four years and performed several published plays but also plays that the participants devised or created themselves so for example one play was called The Identity Project and we explored all the different facets of identity whether it was cultural or racial or gender or even criminal identity and what does that mean and how do I feel about that label that I have now and and how do we grow our identities. I guess it's just been a really neat experience to kind of do theater in a place where there normally isn't a lot of art 
And I'm really excited to get back in there once COVID is over and keep creating art with the people who are incarcerated. That is so cool. I, I love that so much. I love how you schemed it up. I love how you wrote letters until they said yes. Like I, I love that dedication. I feel like that's needed sometimes. And then look what came out of it. So it's so cool. So thanks for sharing that. I, I really appreciate hearing about it. For sure. Yeah. So the other thing we're going to talk about today, kind of the main thing really, is to talk about Unmute, uh, this play turned podcast that you worked on. Theatre the Beat created this in 2020, and it's called Unmute, the Impact of a Pandemic on Gender-Based Violence. So I'm wondering if you could kind of start by just talking about some of the thought process that went into this and explaining how this came about. Yeah, so maybe... Five years ago, I was doing like a social work placement with the Waterloo Regional Police Domestic Violence Team, and I was part of victim services, so trying to help people who were in the early intervention stage, like maybe there wasn't enough evidence to lay a charge, but there was something going on and we were trying to connect people to resources. So I learned a ton about domestic violence and intimate partner violence at that time and came across a play called Missed Opportunities that I just thought was really interesting because being a theater person as well as a social worker, I was like, ah, there's a play that's like combining my two worlds. And I was really excited about it. But it was already a pretty, I think it maybe was not quite 10 years old at the time. And so no one was producing it at that time. And I I didn't have an opportunity to see it because it had done a tour and it was like long over. So I just tucked it away in a binder. And then this past year with COVID, I was starting to get pretty concerned just about the increase of domestic violence and the isolation that can come from the pandemic. So I was concerned about that. And then I had a conversation with um, Rod Friesen, who works for Mennonite Central Committee's restorative justice program, and he had similar concerns. And so we kind of thought about it together and thought, oh, maybe there's something here and we could try um, tackling this topic with art. I remembered that old play that had been commissioned by the Neighbors, Families and Friends group at, they come out of Western University or around there. There's like a, a center for research about violence against women and children. And so I contacted them and they said, oh, sure, yeah, use the play, adapt it however you like. And what started out as thinking, oh, maybe we'll adapt it to be a radio play for COVID turned into, oh, actually, I think we're going to write a whole new play based on that inspiration and just kind of run with it because we had to really think strategically about how many actors we could have because we, um, we had to have everyone on Zoom, and so we had to have people in their own homes who were already couples, which was tricky, and we had to have a smaller cast than the original play. So for a variety of reasons, we ended up completely rewriting it, but I just wanted to credit them because that's where the original idea came from. Yeah, and then it became Forum Theatre, which is the part that I haven't explained yet. So yeah, Forum Theatre is a style of interactive theatre. So the idea is that we see the play once and it's called the problem play because it ends badly. Like we see the social issue and the way that it, it often goes that is not good. And then the audience has a chance to watch it again for a second time. But any time that they feel that ah, they wish that a character had have done something differently, then they're allowed to yell stop and the actors freeze right there and take suggestions from the audience members about how they could come up with a better ending. So it's really collaborative um, and uh, gets us all thinking. They call it rehearsal for reality, that style of theater. And we did it all on Zoom, which we weren't sure if it was going to work, but in the end it did. So that was um, another part of the challenge, I suppose. 
Yeah, I think it's so cool. I heard about it because Women's Crisis Services, where I work, uh, was involved with it. And I remember Trish, our outreach manager, telling me about it. And they said, Theater the Beat approached us. It sounds like this super cool opportunity. Like, we have to do this. We have to be involved and create this. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, it's so innovative. This is like really cool. I love this. So the more I got to learn about it, the more I was excited about it. And I actually think it's really cool that you ended up doing it over Zoom. So just for context for everyone, this type of play would be something I believe you would usually do um, in an actual theater and it would be live. But then with COVID, it was it was this weird dilemma because it's like, you know, domestic violence is happening and we need to get this the word out and talk about this, but we're also all stuck at home. So what do we do? And I think it was so creative that you guys came up with the idea of doing it over Zoom. How, how did you find that process? Yeah, I mean, it was a bit challenging, but it, it kind of forced us to be creative in a neat way. So while we were writing the play, we, we kind of imagined it all being seen through the webcam. And so we, we like intentionally structured the play to be always around a computer or, yeah, like the guys are playing golf on Zoom instead of in real life. And, and so a lot of the plot has to do with what happens after they shut the laptop and people are worried about, is everybody okay now that the phone has been dropped on the floor or whatever? So, yeah, that got us to be cre- pretty creative. And one thing that was neat is with the audience interaction part, normally in a theater, it's kind of scary to say stop because you can see all the other audience members. And if it's the bigger the audience, the scarier or more intimidating it can be for someone in the audience to say stop. And then you go up to the front and you try acting out your idea in front of everyone. And there's still definitely a bit of that on Zoom that it can be pretty nerve wracking to um to, I guess, perform for people that you you might not know. But for some reason, it seemed like it was a bit easier for people to jump in because it was on Zoom because they were in the comfortable living room, like just in their own homes, I guess. So that was an unexpected perk of it being on Zoom, as well as the chat function. Audience members could all just say whatever they wanted whenever they wanted, and it didn't interrupt the play the way it would um, to have a running commentary from the audience in a real life play. Yeah, I think it's so cool. I just think it's such a great opportunity for people to learn how to intervene in these situations or to kind of think about, you know, what would I say? What would I do here uh, without it happening in real life? It's not very often you get to act something like this out. So it's so cool. Yeah, it's forum theater is almost like a role play on steroids. And I know a lot of people don't like role plays. (laughs) Fair enough, like in trainings or whatever, sometimes it can be pretty awkward. But I think the reason that the forum works better is because you've seen the characters come through this whole journey of the play. And so you like, they feel like real people at that point, it doesn't feel as fake or cheesy as a role time a role play might because it just seems like, oh, this is the story that's unfolding. And if I don't do something, I don't, I'm going to see that bad ending again. And I don't want to see that bad ending again. So people are motivated to, um, yeah, to just throw their ideas into the ring. And we try to create a safe enough space where it's, it's, we're just trying things. If you don't have the best idea ever, that's totally okay. It's great for us to try a whole bunch of things and see where the, the scene goes, because a lot of the time there's not one right answer. There's lots of things that might help make things a bit better. Oh yeah, I think so. Oftentimes that's the case. But I'm also wondering, for those who are listening who haven't had the opportunity to hear the play, would you be able to just give kind of a brief overview, like a summary of what the plot is? Yeah, good idea. That makes sense, Jenna. So the play follows a family. So we have Dawn is married to her husband, Scott, and they have a daughter named Addie. 
and they're experiencing stress because of COVID. Um, Scott's job is getting more and more intense and he um, starts acting abusively towards Don. And so while that is happening, their good family friends, which are Jay and Barb um, and their daughter, Haley, that other family is kind of slowly starting to realize that something might be up and slowly starting to wonder or worry. Dawn's boss, Ryan, also starts to wonder or worry, like, huh, is something going on? She just seems emotional sort of thing. And we see, like, a number of moments in the play where maybe they they try their best, but they could have been a, a more supportive um, help to that family. So um, the idea is that we want to set the audience up for, like, common mistakes or common missed opportunities that might happen that we can then see in real life. So, for example, in one scene, the two women are catching up and they haven't talked for a while and they're on Zoom uh, just chatting. And one of the women has an injury and also she seems like really nervous and skittish. But her friend is just so excited to see her and she so she just talks a mile a minute about her own stuff and doesn't quite pick up on those like smaller cues that something isn't okay and maybe it would be helpful to follow up on. So there's scenes like that or a scene at work, a scene where the two teenage daughters who are dating each other, one discloses what's happening in the home to the other. And um, she tries her best to respond, but she in some ways maybe doesn't do the most helpful thing in promising not to tell anyone about it. And then she's so overwhelmed that she does tell people about it. And so basically the gist of the play is seeing these two families, one experience abuse, one trying to help but not quite knowing how. And through their perhaps failures or best attempts at helping, we get to learn about what we could do if we were in that kind of a situation as audience members. And then when we do the forum part, we um, we get to relook at several of those scenes. So the audience members get to try how they would have responded um, to the friend on Zoom or at, or at golf or at school in, in whatever scene that we're seeing play out. Yeah, I think it's so cool. I, I remember when I got to listen to it, I thought, wow, like, you start to feel for the characters, you know, because you're thinking, oh, like, I wish they knew, not that, you know, you always have the right answer either of what to do, but you just thought, oh, I wonder if they could have done this or that or, but they just, you know, it was so relatable too, because it was all things happening during COVID. It was just a total normal, not normal, unfortunately, but you know, just kind of some of the things that were happening were so normal. It was just kind of a, a normal conversation you might have. And then this comes up and, and what do you do? And I just felt it was really relatable um, in, in a lot of ways, you know, so I thought that was really well done. And you were talking about the audience members. So I was wondering if you could kind of elaborate on what it was like, what some of the audience responses were like. Sure. Yeah. So when I should mention, we had the live zoom show that we had i think 24 performances of um and then we also have a podcast so audiences can listen to the play as well but just speaking to the to the zoom version audiences were so engaged you know as a facilitator it's hard to know sometimes like is anybody going to say anything should i plant my mom in the audience so that at least someone responds to my questions when i pose discussion questions um but thankfully we didn't have that problem thankfully people had a lot to say and jumped right in and tried the scene and were really um, supportive of each other, like in terms of like cheering on, like, oh, I really liked how you listened there. And maybe next we could try this. Like there was this kind of collaborative energy every show where people were building on each other's ideas and sharing their own stories about what had helped them in the past. And maybe we could try that angle here. So yeah, in the moment on the Zoom, it really felt hopeful and like a teamwork effort to learn together. Like it just felt like this kind of learning environment, which 
you know, made me very happy because that's what we were going for. A safe, a sa- like a, a space that was like safe enough to try ideas, but also challenging us to grow. So that was really cool to feel like we achieved that. And one of the coolest things was um, having like people from places like Women's Crisis Services, other um, domestic violence professionals in on the call so they could demonstrate what happens if someone calls a crisis line and then the audience could like learn from that or even practice calling in on behalf of their friend. So there was just so much learning happening and for myself as well as the audience. And that was, I guess, the number one feedback that we got was like, well, even though I knew a bit about this topic, I feel like I've learned it on like a deeper, more experiential level, having gotten to see it play out or try it myself. Yeah, we got lots of feedback also from, um, well, not I don't know about lots, but definitely some feedback from survivors who said that they were just really thankful to see, just, just to continue raising awareness and to see this story presented in a way so more people kind of might just know what, what to look for in terms of um, some warning signs and um, that it was just encouraging to them that we were having this conversation and helping people practice how to help each other congratulations like that must feel awesome I'm excited just hearing about it like that's exactly how you want it to go so that's that's so exciting that it's turned out so well and I'm so happy especially because it's you know exactly the work that I'm doing here too so I think it's really a cause that's important to me as well so uh, it just makes me so happy that you're able to kind of spread the awareness in this way Uh, And I guess we should talk about the podcast a little bit, because I actually did get to be involved with that, which was really exciting. And thank you for asking me. Uh, But do you want to just kind of share a little bit about the podcast, too, and how that's kind of jumped off of the play, the Zoom play? For sure. Yeah. So it's the same story or the gist of it is the same, the same characters. Um, We do have a slightly different ending because I don't know, I may have overthought it, but my social worky self is always wanting to not trigger people unnecessarily. So the ending isn't quite as intense in the podcast as it was in the Zoom play when we could all debrief it in person um, and give more specific trigger warnings. But yeah, it's a similar story of a family experiencing abuse and another family trying to help. And the first episode plays the whole podcast or the whole story through once. And then every subsequent episode is um, some domestic violence experts. So people like Jenna and Trish um, at Women's Crisis Services kind of giving their feedback or or talking it through recapping and saying in each scene, like, huh, is there anything the characters could have done differently? And so it was like Jenna, Trish and myself got to kind of do what the Zoom audiences would have done in terms of give the actors suggestions. And then we took those suggestions about what the characters could do differently and gave that to the actors. And then they improvised based on those suggestions. So, for example, I don't know if if it was a scene where the the two teenagers are, are talking and one says, oh, no, I won't tell anybody. Um, we could give the teenager the suggestion, like, what if you told your dad? And then we see that play out. Or like, what if you talk to the guidance counselor? Or what if you told your friend, like, oh, here's the number of a crisis line we could call together. And we, what it's almost like a choose your own adventure. And so every suggestion from Jenna and Trish in the podcast turned into different scenes that we can listen to. So there's several different episodes and each episode focuses on a scene and all the potential things. Well, not all the potential things because there's always there's always more options in the world, but a few potential things that could have happened in, st- in that scene instead of how it went in the original version that's usually not quite the most ideal. Yeah, thank you for having me a part of it. It was actually really cool. And it, it really was like a choose your own adventure kind of thing. And, and just so interesting and creative to be able to do it with something like domestic violence, something you don't always think that there would be an option or that it would be fitting uh, to do it for some a topic so heavy. But 
I think you guys just did it in a way that it worked so well and it it wasn't weird at all it was it was awesome and I think it was just really cool that that we could try that out and I hope people will listen to the podcast because I I think it um, I'm a little biased but I think it's pretty cool and I think people will really like it yeah so it's on like Spotify and I don't know Apple podcasts all the places you get podcasts I realized well we realized after putting it out like oh there's there's a few podcasts that are called unmute so um if you look for the one I think it's got a longer title like it might be unmute the impact of um some the pandemic actually it's not pandemic specific it's supposed to be more broad but yeah it's the one with uh, a logo that has a picture of a woman and uh yeah anyways there's a few unmute podcasts. Just do some digging until you find the right one. Yeah, and we can share that as well. And we'll link that in the the resource page um, on the episode page on our website too. So if you go to the resource section, you'll be able to find a link to it there as well. So that'll be another spot. Something you were also saying before, Kim, you were saying you're talking about how you're a social worker and you're talking about when you're thinking about doing the podcast too. And to me, like that's part of the most interesting part of this all too is that you're also a social worker like I just think what kind of combination is that someone who does theater and is a social worker and is doing this kind of thing so I'm just really curious like on a personal level for you what it's like working on something like this yeah it's it's so fulfilling it feels like the sweet spot I guess of where like the the need that I see in the community or the world is and the stuff that gets me really jazzed about life like storytelling and art making is so I'm pretty fortunate that I get to to kind of put those two things together and sometimes I feel like I'm not entirely not that I'm not understood but like that I'm not just one thing in terms of an artist or a social worker and so sometimes that's a bit confusing for people in either camp but I'm really just so privileged to get to learn from people in both of those worlds and um and I'm finding more and more that there's people that are thinking that way like I do about bringing those worlds together so one of the things um, during the pandemic that's been exciting to focus on we're not able to be in the women's prison facilitating theater but we're starting to create a network of people who are interested in arts and social justice and even arts and corrections and I'm learning that there's like there's a lot of people out there that are kind of getting excited about this combination so yeah I'm excited to see the that kind of field continue to grow oh yeah that's so cool kind of find your community in it too mm-hmm. I think that's really that's always so exciting I love that so yeah and there's a lot of there's a lot of similar skills, I think, in terms of like connecting with people, like facilitation in a group therapy session and facilitation of forum theater uses a lot of the same kind of skill set or technique. And so it's an it's a natural fit. And maybe it would be cool if we hung out with each other more often. Like another project I'm really excited about after COVID is um, a play about people's experience of homelessness that we're hoping to do in Kitchener-Waterloo with people who have lived experience. So I think there's lots of ways to bridge those two communities and for us to learn from each other. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I'll be looking forward to learning more about that. That's really cool that you're working on that. I'm really glad to hear it. Another question that's kind of popping into my head right now is thinking about you as a social worker. And uh, you obviously know there's many different types of domestic violence as well. And I think the play, there's a focus on the physical because domestic violence is really escalating during COVID too. And I, I think it's important to recognize that and be aware that unfortunately this is happening and we need to look out for it and know how to respond to it but with that in mind I'm also wondering did you ever get into conversations with audience members or maybe even just with your team about the different types of domestic violence and talk about that as well hmm I think that we did a little bit but there's always 
I think it's important to keep having that conversation. Maybe that could be the sequel to Unmute because it's less obvious. Like it's it's easy to say physical violence is bad and it's easy to well maybe it's not easy but it's easier perhaps to like see a relationship where someone is has a bruise and to think that something's not right but the other stuff can be harder to put your finger on I guess sometimes especially when folks are kind of caught up in it so although there were a few of those conversations I think more would be important oh yeah I think that should be the sequel I think I think we just came up with it here I think it's pretty cool that we can (laughs) well just you tell your people I'll tell my people and we'll get going (laughs) I was just gonna say speaking of your people I forgot in the like the story of how the play came to be to just mention like how fundamental dart was in terms of that happening so we had the idea after chatting with Rod and then approached darts the domestic assault review team and women's crisis services and like the play would not have happened if you folks hadn't have believed in us and said like huh there's something here like let's support this group financially and encourage them to create the play and kind of partner on that and so I, I just need to mention how thankful we are that you folks believed in us and um that let this happen Oh, that's so nice. And yeah, I I definitely agree. Big shout out to Dart too, who funded this initiative and it wouldn't be possible without them. So thank you so much. And we're lucky to be a part of Dart, be able to work on this. And I think it was just a really cool thing that came together and it was kind of the right thing at the right time, I think. So it was pretty cool. So something else I'm I'm wondering uh, is just why this conversation is important to you. Well, I mean, I guess there's both the professional and then the personal side of it. And it's funny that even though, yeah, even though I'm engaged as a social worker and did a placement with um, victim services and saw a lot of domestic violence, that doesn't always mean that I'm like in my personal life always going to see it right away either. And so it kind of, um, it feels important to just try to keep educating the average person about um, how we can be just helpful for, for our friends and family and even notice unhealthy patterns for ourselves. So I guess on a professional side, I have just seen some some really intense cases and how that can be so dangerous and scary. And I want to do everything that I can to try and help that happen less. And then on a personal side, seeing how sometimes also it can fly under the radar. I'm thinking of an example of a friend that I had who we all thought that this ex-partner was just really sweet. And then her therapist told her that it was stalking behavior. And we were all kind of like, oh, yeah, it is. Like, I see it now. And I see how a lot of that was really unhealthy and how maybe we kind of swept it under the rug because we just didn't realize what was really going on. And so I feel like this is kind of a roundabout answer to your question. But I think that this topic is more in our lives than we realize. And so the more that we think about it and make art about it, um, then hopefully we can be more aware and help each other better and sooner. Like, I think if I had have had that situation with my friend now, I would have recognized right away. But I didn't back in the day because I just was less aware. Yeah, thank you for elaborating on that. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I think that I've actually heard that quite a few times. You know, you're not the only person who said to me, you know, I didn't recognize it at the time. And sometimes it's after having conversations and conversations about what is domestic violence, what is an unhealthy relationship. It kind of starts to sink in. And, and I think, I almost wonder if sometimes we push those things out of our mind because it's, it's difficult to think about. Like I'm thinking even back on memories of other people 
we might have known um, in our lives who've experienced this. And it's hard to think about. So I, I don't think it's something we want to think about all the time. But I think having this knowledge is really important because then we can, like you said, recognize it sooner, help more people. And I think it's also difficult when, you know, when we're hearing in the, in the media, in music and movies of what relationships are, they're not always portrayed in the healthiest way, but we're led to believe something's healthy when, when really it's not. So I think it's, it's really complex and it's confusing a lot of the time. Um, so I'm just really glad you actually brought that up because I think that is helpful to talk about. And the more we talk about it, the more we kind of think about it too. So part of this project, the She Is Your Neighbor project, is also encouraging people to be good neighbors and thinking about what we can all do and what role we can all play um, to end domestic violence and to help those who are impacted by it. So I'm wondering your thoughts on what you think we can all do to be better neighbors to those experiencing domestic violence. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I've been learning through the play is that a lot of the time it's the simple stuff at first, at least, that people need, which is just a listening ear and someone to lean in and notice and ask how they're doing and to to be consistent. I was going to say persistent. I don't mean, like, pushy, but um, just to kind of be there for someone on an ongoing basis in a non-judgmental way um, as they're kind of sorting through what's going on. And even if it's nothing, even if you're just... Like in the end, you say, hey, I've been worried about you. How, how are you doing? And it turns out that there wasn't a need to be worried. Like, I think that that's hopefully not done any harm at all and just showed that person that you care about them. And so worst case scenario, maybe they're like, whoa, that person's really uh, enthusiastic about um, making sure I'm okay. But perhaps that they really did need someone to ask and someone to lean in and to just kind of let them talk or be a good listener or figure out on their own timeline and on their own terms what they might need. So there's that, I guess. And then um, in terms of being a good neighbor, I was just so encouraged to learn about the fact that I, as a, a non even if I wasn't the person in the relationship experiencing abuse, I could call Women's Crisis Services and just learn more about what's out there and just kind of like run the situation by, by a professional and, and that you folks would be able to help anyone kind of suss out like how concerned or not to be and then help me make a plan for how to help that friend as that friend is, is able and interested in receiving help. Yeah, I guess one way to be a good neighbor could just be like to to try and make a referral if it feels like it's necessary or to just learn about the resources in the community because if you know about it and can kind of like talk up the services that are out there I think someone is more likely to to trust that agency or that service if it comes with a recommendation from a friend so maybe part of being a good neighbor could be knowing just what's available in terms of support and then I mean if we really want to get into it there's also like how do we support um people who might be have the tendency to use abuse like how do we call out behavior that's maybe not helpful or healthy in the moment and not just let something slide but how do we do it in a way that's also not going to be a confrontational or actually make someone more agitated in a way that could be dangerous so that's a big messy question but I think one of the things that the play brought up that really got me thinking is the role of men in this conversation and how people can be challenging I guess you know blah 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 gender stereotypes and all of that kind of stuff when there's unhealthy masculinity who is it on to kind of raise that question when we see it and how do we have those conversations 
I know it's complicated, but I guess being a good neighbor can be a little bit complicated. But that wasn't the point of the play. The point of the play was just to start small and lean in and listen and offer non-judgmental support. So that's a good place to start. No, I think you're so right. I think those are all great tips. And I think especially engaging men is so important because, you know, I don't think this is something that women can kind of do alone. I think it's something we need everybody thinking about and really recognizing we do all have a role to play in this when it comes to ending domestic violence. And even, you know, with this podcast, we've been really intentional about having lots of men as podcast guests as well, because we really do think that men have a role in this as well. And we're lucky to have some really great male allies. And I think um, we're starting to see more of those now. And that's really awesome and encouraging to see. So I'm glad you mentioned that as well, because I also think that's really, really important. So I guess we're going to wrap it up here. And thank you so much for being here, Kim. And I just want to tell everybody, once again, make sure you go listen to the Unmute podcast, search it on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And again, a few might come up, but I'm also going to link this on the webpage uh, in the resource section on Kim's episode page. So you should be able to find it there as well. Yeah, I, I think you'll really like it. So thanks again, Kim, for being here. My pleasure. Thanks, Jenna. Thank you to our episode sponsor, RBC. RBC works together with their community partners and subject matter experts to promote and celebrate inclusion and vibrancy in our community. RBC is proud to support the She Is Your Neighbor podcast and the work that Women's Crisis Services does to help women and children move beyond violence. For more information, visit the Community and Social Impact page on rbc.com. That wraps up this week's show, but the conversation is far from over. We want to hear what you think. Use the hashtag SheIsYourNeighbor on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and join in the conversation. We all have a role to play in ending domestic violence.